of the 11 jobs I've had with salary and benefits, five of those jobs were got through networking. There was no job posting. Of the other six that were posted, because I had done networking before them, I had current competitive information available and contacts available that were an asset to my interview process. So because of that, I was a much stronger candidate than the ones that were actually posted. Welcome back to Nonlinear, the career networking podcast. This week, we have Bob, a project manager in energy efficiency for our first interview. Stay tuned. Welcome to Nonlinear, the career networking podcast. I'm your host, Kristen. I'm your co-host, Mark. Nonlinear empowers listeners with perspective and skills to take charge of their careers. So join us as we interview professionals in industry. Episodes are released every other Monday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or with the Anchor app. Leave us feedback at nonlinearthepodcast at gmail.com. Hi, everyone. Uh, hi. What should I refer to you as? This is my dad's with us today. Which, Bob? Yes, welcome. This is Kristen with Mark Torpy joining yeah. us for our first interview. Mark, how's it going? Going well. It's going well. I'm excited. Cool. Bob, I appreciate you finding some time this Saturday to chat with us. Um, and I was really excited to get you on the podcast because I learned from you at an early age the value of networking and how like every interaction with someone is a form of networking just because you're like leaving an impression and you're communicating things all the time. I think you also have an interesting career path and that's like what we want our listeners to learn about is ways to use their degree and their work experiences to create a career. Looked over your LinkedIn a little bit and have a general idea of your work history and education, but for our listeners, could you give them a brief overview of your progression throughout your career? Sure. I had a, out of high school, I got into one or two colleges, but didn't have any money, so I went to community college and studied math and science, guaranteed transfer if you get a two or better you had a three hour better, you could pick the university you got to. That was a pretty good. Then I went to university and I had been involved in student government. So I thought I'd change to poli sci and I got a BA in poli sci with a minor in environmental studies. Didn't get much of a job with that degree. Spent two years in California doing networking interviews and decided that to get what I wanted to be, I had to get an MBA. You know, came back to the University at Albany, got an MBA. And from that, I've been working, spent 20 jobs in the last 30 years. Of those jobs, uh, 11 have been salary and benefit standard jobs. Nine have been consulting or temporary bridge jobs between my other jobs. So I've had a variety of reasons to do networking throughout my career. Yeah, so clearly you said networking is a, is a big part of, of what you do. And you've had a history of doing it. So 
What does networking mean to you specifically? Why do you think it's such an important skill to have? Well, when I was graduating undergrad, the Career Center had to service, you know, 10,000 students. So they didn't give us job leads, per se. They gave us a newspaper, and then they gave us a one-page summary about research and referral interviews. And they said, if you do these research and referral interviews, you'll identify jobs, and you'll identify careers. So I used that throughout my 30-year career based on that. What do you consider networking? If you define it as research and referral, you're going to reach out to people that you think have some connection to what you're interested in, or they may know people that are connected to something you're interested in, or they're not interested in anything mm-hmm. that you care about, but it's nice to hear about them. So you talk to them, you listen to their background, their career, their schooling, and then you ask them for referrals to other people in something that you'd like to explore or are interested in. So it's most people like to help others. So most people are very open to taking 15, 20 minutes and answering questions and talking about themselves. It's important that you don't, don't define it as a job search. Um, but during the networking interview, if you explain that you are looking for a particular thing, if the person finds something in the future, they'll most likely let you know. I think that's, a, that's an important point, too, because I think a lot of people uh, get nervous when they're, you know, when the idea of networking comes up because as human beings, we naturally fear, you know, having rejection and stuff. But I think what they'll find when they actually take the initiative is that a lot of people are pretty open to helping you out if you, uh, you know, take time out of your day to actually reach out to people. Yeah, you're right, Mark. Um, people enjoy talking about themselves and being asked questions about themselves. And most people have been doing networking since uh, humankind began um, just by their different communities. Sure. No way. It's not called networking, but I'm sure cave dwellers talk to neighbor cave dwellers and how else do they get connected? (laughs) So it's it's kind of a human thing to do. (laughs) Most people have probably, everybody that's moved through their career has used it to either stay in their job or get new jobs. That's great. I love love that uh, analogy to cave dwellers. Do you remember what your first informational interview was like, who you talked to, and what was that experience like? Um, The one that comes to mind was when I was in Southern California after my undergrad degree. I was working either delivering flowers for one company or selling film at a film store on Sunset Boulevard and trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. I had always wanted to be Jacques Cousteau II and a marine biologist, but my degree wasn't in marine biology. So I was thinking I should talk to an oil company because they had a lot of offshore oil rigs and marine biologists worked for them. So somehow I called ARCO, which was a LA-based oil company, and they, their marine biologist agreed to meet with me for a networking interview. I met with her and she explained that she designs ecosystems under their offshore oil rigs so that it's 
habitat compatible with the flora and fauna. And I asked what kind of degree she had. She had a PhD. I said, you know, I really don't think I could do a PhD right now. And I explained that I was involved in student government and have a political science. She suggested I talk to someone in governmental relations. So she picked up the phone and called governmental relations department. And one of the gentlemen there said, yeah, send him down. So I went down and talked to him. And one thing led to another. And he had gotten his MBA. And that helped him with his position. And I said, well, I think I'll have a lot more opportunities with MBA. So I'll go back to school for that. Um, so it helped me narrow my career choice to something that I thought would be more interested. Of course, the economy was tanking when I graduated with my MBA, so I chose to work in computer management, information systems management, so that I could get a job in an oil mm -hmm. company. And then once in there, I began to move through their work in IT into more marketing and energy and efficiency and, you know, went with the flow based on where I lived. Do you remember like being nervous setting that My up? My dad has always told me that I should, when I'm out selling Boy Scout um, wrapping paper or popcorn, that of course, if you don't ask someone, you're not going to know if they're going to buy it or not. So, and if you ask someone, they're going to either say yes, no, or maybe. So you got a 3% chance. 30% chance of getting someone to say yes. Right. So I don't really remember being at all concerned about it. Not that I'm an outgoing, gregarious kind of guy, but I said, like, okay. I'll never see these people again in my life. They're willing to meet with me. If somebody wanted to meet with me now, I would do it for them. So it's kind of like you pay it forward. Think of all the kids that are graduating from college that could provide networking opportunities for high school you know, pay it forward now with high school students and help them get through college. Hopefully this podcast helps some people out. <laughs> Do you think this would be interesting for high schoolers to listen to? The bottom line is it's helping you focus your career. And kids in high school are supposed to pick what major they want to be in or go undeclared. And you're much better off doing your research and your networking your you know, junior year in high school so that you at least have a focus on what schools to look at that have something you might be interested in. I think it's critical to do in high school. This will be this will be applicable to high school, uh, high school demographic as well, just because if we're interviewing people from different industries, it gives you a feel of what you can do with engineering in particular. So they might decide whether or not they even want to do mechanical based off of what options are out there for mechanical engineers. So it's a it's beneficial for us where we're going into the we're going into entry level positions, you know, once we graduate. And it's also beneficial for those those high school seniors that are thinking about doing engineering and just it lets them know what's out there for them and whether or not they really want to pursue a degree in that. So I think it's it goes both ways. Yeah, good point. Do you remember a time when you were networking? You made a connection that led to some monumental job. Well, I think my statistics are that of the 11 jobs I've had with salary and benefits, five of those jobs were got through networking. There was no job posting. I just was talking to No way. Way. Hmm. Way. Um, <laughs> there wasn't even a job posting. How does that even work? That's so crazy. Tell us more. 
Well, you find out what interests me. When we moved back, when I moved back from San Francisco to Boston, I wanted to work in energy efficiency. So I talked to a bunch of businesses in energy efficiency. One was seeing Mass Save. They had were just starting up their organization and they looked at my background. They said, that's interesting. We might be able to use you. We don't have an opening now, but, you know, maybe we'll, uh, and they went and a couple of weeks went by and I kept in touch and said, yeah, we think we can hire you. So they hired me. I wasn't posted. So of the other six that were posted, because I had done networking before them, I had current competitive information available and contacts available that were an asset to my interview process. So because of that, I was a much stronger candidate than the ones that were actually posted. And then all of my nine consulting or temporary jobs came from me doing networking because you can't get a consulting job unless you're networking into places that can use your services. Coming into this major, they tell you that engineering is a pretty safe route to go because uh, there's a lot of jobs out there for you. But like you said, most of them aren't posted. So it's like if you don't have the networking skills, it's kind of hard, even if you have an engineering degree, to you know find those positions that are available for you. Yeah, and I think the, the internet most of word of mouth. gives you a false sense that you're actually looking with you know, Indeed or Monster or Career Builders. You see all these listings and you and a million other people are clicking send. Um, you know, I've always, but That's what it feels I've always like. heard stories where, you know, they get a thousand applications, they look at the first 10, they pick out the strongest five and they ignore the rest. And if those first five that they like work, that's it. Or wow. those five fall out, they might go to the end of the list because they're more current. So the odds are, are pretty tight on that. I'm not saying don't do it, but. You know, if you're networking into a company that's about ready to post something or right now, because the economy is so good, people are going on interviews, accepting jobs, and then sometimes they're not showing up. So a job that's no longer live may become available and you might be there at the right time. Game of statistics when you're just sending out a resume, you know, on paper, but you can completely bypass that with just, you know, face-to-face. -face I'm thinking, you know, it's important that people know that you're not asking for a job when you're networking. You're just asking for career advice and referral. And you, know, right. you, you still present your resume. You say, hey, keep me in mind if you hear of something that I might be interested in. But you know, people don't typically want to meet with you. you. They'll send you to HR if they think you're looking for a job or if you ask to look for a job. So you're, you're starting your career search or you're trying to refine your the specific industry you want to work in. I mean, those are all things that you're doing. Knowing how important it is to network and how like impactful it's been in your career, why do you think people fail to do so? What are the things holding them back? Step back from networking, I think the big thing is that people like to help others. And people don't realize that to help others, there has to be someone who's accepting that help. And you're actually helping others when you accept their help because they feel good about giving the help and you are allowing them to graciously okay. give that help to you. So if people could look at networking that way, whereas you're asking for help and everybody you talk to 
that gives you a networking opportunity is going to feel good about their interaction with you, then start getting out there and bringing that joy to people. Um, people become very self-conscious. They don't want to make calls. They don't like rejection. Sure, every phone call you make is not going to say yes. The more you do it, the more you see it becomes second nature and the more you would what advice would you give to college students or recent graduates who feel limited by their college major when looking for jobs? Because I know a lot of people don't necessarily find jobs that relate to their major. You know, they kind of branch off and they find something different. Um, so what advice would you give to those, those students who feel limited by what they chose to, to major be a in? pessimist or an optimist. So if you want to be uh, constrained by your major, then I would call you a pessimist. Um, I have a poli-sci major and minor environmental studies. There was nobody that mm -hmm. posted any jobs in the world that listed poli-sci environmental studies. Um, they had, you know, one, somebody with years of experience. So the only way to get experience was to take any job in an industry that was doing poli-sci environmental studies or IP that was related to other positions that I wanted to get into. So there's, uh, you know, the economy is good now, so people should be able to find employment. Um, so I, my advice for people concerned about their major is not about your major, it's the skills, the work skills that you, you build and you succeed at, any class projects you did, any, the quality of your work, how you ask questions, the honesty, those are the things people hire for. Are you a good team player? They don't hire based on what it says on your resume as far as majors. Yeah, so it doesn't matter what you major in. As long as you have a, a good work ethic, people are always going to find something for you to do. Awesome. So now we're going to go over to the informational interview segment where we show our listeners what a typical informational interview can look like and what types of questions you can ask. Basically, it's not as daunting as it, it may seem. Like Bob said earlier, you know, people want to help you and asking for help can be like, what do you got to lose? So let's get started. Um, what industry are you in and what got you started in this in industry? The electric and gas industry uh, in the energy efficiency area. I got involved because I have a passion for environmental studies and, and the environment. And as we all know now, uh, climate change and we can use less of our electricity or natural gas. Um, we can better for the environment and future generations. I certainly agree with that. <laughs> what other careers did you consider? I know you touched on a little bit more, but just to reiterate. Well, I, I mean, the bottom line is it's nice to be able to pay off student loans and to have food on the table and a car to drive. So I worked in information technology for probably 15 years until I got an information technology position in the energy efficiency industry. And then I learned to be more of a marketing and program manager. I got out of IT into project management. And I've been doing it ever since. Uh, my current job is for a 
natural gas and electric company, and I basically have to spend about $5 million a year to get people to use less of our product. Um, we're, we're, a, we're a monopoly, and uh, it's in the society's best interest as a monopoly to not keep encouraging people to use more of your product. So I have goals of how much energy to save each year that I have to reach, and how many dollars I have to spend. And I have a network of consultants and contractors who work with me to get those goals, helping businesses and residential homeowners save energy. All right. I'm wondering what your day-to-day job is like. So what are the key components um, for, because I might be interested in doing a similar job. So what should I know about it? The best way to learn about it is to start at entry level and be a part of one of the consulting firms that we have doing the work for us, be a volunteer, be an intern. Um, Frankly, you know, my half of my day might be answering emails from those contractors. They have invoices, they have issues, they have customer follow-up, and then the other half of the day is probably big picture, strategically planning when I'm behind in one area, what am I going to do to pick up the pace? I think you could apply it to most project management jobs in most industries. Mine just revolves around saving energy, so. Right. That makes sense. So you said the best way to start was, you know, to do an internship and just sort of actually do what you want to to try out. Um, so what experience has best prepared you for your job that you're working now? Did you have an internship or... Did you just start at an entry level job? Well, as I said, I mentioned I started at Mass A where I was the IT manager for a, a company that processed about 30,000 residential audits a year for the Massachusetts electric and gas utilities. So, in doing that, I really learned about the industry and I did some consulting in the industry, um, worked for two utilities, including the one I'm in now. So I had some years of experience in, um, under my belt. Um, other people that I just talked to, a woman that's working for another large utility in Mass just yesterday, she got her undergrad in environmental studies. She became an energy auditor, again, a contractor that works for a utility to do energy audits on home. And then she worked for a small utility, and now she works for a large utility. That was she went through. I think people have to remember that you don't don't focus on your ideal job. Put your ideal job out there as a vision, but then build off of it. What parts of those jobs, that ideal job, could I do that could get me in the industry I want to get into, to get me around the people I want to be around, that over time I could build up to that ideal job. What um, do you like most about your job today? Well, I, uh, I like the challenge, the freedom, and the uh, achievement of goals. Um, definitely a growth area. There's a lot of people retiring from the industry right now, so 
companies are scrambling to get new people in. Um, you know, I go into a business that's making donuts, and I can identify or have a consultant help me identify where they can save energy and on their lighting, on their cooking equipment, on their air conditioning and heating. And that helps that business become more viable, more sustainable, have more money to give their employees raises or lower prices or keep prices constant. So that interaction with businesses and homeowners is enjoyable. You just spoke on what you like the most. What's the most challenging part for you? Challenging part is, you know, as you move up in an organization, the challenging part is how do you juggle the 80 hours of work and 50 hours of time? Um, how, do you, how do you delegate to your subcontractors and manage those subcontractors and help those subcontractors get the resources they need to do the work you're willing to pay them for? So it's challenging, but it's not daunting. Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be going to keep the current job as much as I can. And uh, so I look into retirement. So uh, without a, a pension, which a lot of people don't have anymore, I. Uh, That's huge. I didn't know yeah, that. Most people don't have a defined pension plan. So uh, you work as long as you can. And therefore, if you're working in a job that you enjoy, then it's a pleasure to go to work. And, um, you know, there's always opportunities within the company to shadow other departments. So I continue to network within my company. There's, you know, ways to learn different things. We have a Toastmasters at, at work that I participated in at one time to learn, polish up my public speaking and meet and learn different people in different departments. So it's a lot of opportunities, a lot of ways to grow. So if somebody wanted to learn more about the field that you're working in, uh, specifically, you know, the utility field, uh, I personally, I had an internship last summer working for an HVAC company that specialized in geothermal uh, HVAC systems, ground source heat pumps. So I got to learn a little bit about it through that. But for somebody who doesn't necessarily want to, like, do an internship to learn uh, more about it, are there what, what would you recommend for them to look into uh, if they wanted to learn more about well, that. networking is, is key. I think attending conferences, there's always conferences um, that are going on. If you go to nhsaves.com or masssave.com or NHSEA or NESEA or uh, EPA and DOE have different listings of events. Some you pay for, some are are free, and uh, and just talk to all the vendors and all the people that have displays. And uh, you can also go to the Public Utilities Commission in New Hampshire and attend some of their Easy Board meetings. Uh, that's Energy Efficiency and Sustainability Board. Those are once a month, and there's a cross section of people in the industry that attend those. You can read their minutes online. Those are some things you can do.
Um, one last question. I'm wondering uh, th- about if a listener like is hearing this and they're interested in pursuing a similar career, what what type of skills should they be obtaining to be a good candidate for that? Um, and then in addition, like what type of keywords or job titles should they search okay, for? So, again, you don't want to be applying. You want to be networking in it. So you're looking, you're looking under, uh, when you're searching for it, you look for energy or the environment. Um, but energy is a big part of it. You can also go um, energy efficiency. And skills, I think for an entry-level position, the skills I mentioned earlier is, you know, someone who is honest, um, who puts in the labor and realizes that if the job is difficult and you push yourself through it and complete it successfully, it's not going to be difficult the next time to do it. And then you build on that success. So if you've had projects in school that you've worked on, make sure you highlight those um, that have challenged you. Someone who's also into the details of um, being accurate. It's not a matter of getting things done if they're not correct. It's a matter of getting things done correctly so that people can count on your output. And asking a lot of questions. Nobody should be afraid of asking questions when they're doing an interview or doing a networking. Well, thank you. Is there any like other, anything else that you, or knowledge you want to impart on our listeners? Nothing in particular. I think we've pretty much touched on all. It's uh, definitely takes getting up in the morning, but if you're counting on some income, it's a good motivator to get up and make the call and send an email or go to the event. I mean, you could network at some of the free shows like the Local Energy Solutions Conference coming up on a Friday and I think it's October. Yeah. And, uh, you could go booth to booth and each booth you could be networking and you didn't have to call anybody ahead of time. You didn't have to, you know, set up an appointment. You're simply taking five or 10 minutes of some people's time. So, you know, take advantage of that. The same with career fairs. Don't think that you can't talk to career fair of a company you're not interested in because you can use that as a networking opportunity. Right. That's a good point. We have the career fair coming up. So networking opportunities are everywhere. And, uh, Anytime you talk to someone, you get a couple minutes to say what your background is, what you're interested in, and how it might apply to them, and then you listen to what they did to get where they are. That gives you your round of data that you can then make your career choice on. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time out of your day. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for asking. As I said, uh, networking is pleasurable on both ends. It goes well, so. You guys have a good day. Thank you. you too. Too.